Hiya, Georgie. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to Direct to Nowhere, the show where we speak to a guest about a director they love. Tonight I'm joined by Petros from the Keysden Podcast. Hi Petros, how are you doing tonight? I'm very well, thank you Larry. Yeah, Thanks so much for having me on the podcast to talk about a director I am enamoured with. And I'm sure, uh, I, know, I know you were keeping up to date with my uh, <laughs> my <laughs> covid fueled <laughs> complete... Um, uh, filmography rewatch as much as I could, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be talking about this director. Yeah, definitely, very, very much watching it kind of very closely. Yeah, because obviously <laughs> it's, it's also happens to be a director I really like, so I'm quite quite excited when you picked who you picked, which we'll get into a little bit soon. Um, because it got me to got me to watch some movies I really enjoy, and some and to revisit a movie that I'd not seen in quite a while. So I was, we'll go off the, we'll get into that in a moment. Amazing. Um, so, first of all, can you tell me a little, tell myself and the audience a little bit about your podcast, Caged In, and what you're gonna get, what you do over there? Yeah, so Caged In started in 2017 as a Nicolas Cage retrospective podcast where I watch every single Nicolas Cage film in chronological order. Um, but then it got to a point, and I realised, ah. I'm going to run out of Nicolas Cage films <laughs> and I can't just watch them in an infinite loop until yeah. the sun burns us completely to cinders. So um, I realized the next logical step was to look at the entire Coppola family of which Nicolas Cage is a part of mm-hmm. and kind of answer the question in the same way I tried to answer is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor? Are they the greatest film family because like, how can we get to know Nicolas Cage better is by getting to know his family what yeah. some could argue one that he he shunned himself away from by changing his name to Cage <laughs> some could say he welcomed the family uh, bosom of embrace by still starring in some of his uncle's films early on in his career mm-hmm. but um yeah you can expect all sorts of that so a lot of um interviews and just chats about the films in general so uh, yeah at the moment i i get every episode and kind of got a running tally to try and figure out are the coppola's the greatest film family of all time i I leave it up to my guests to answer that question it's not about i don't i don't have final say i guess when it gets to the end of it i'll i'll be able to (laughs) to tally up all the yeses all the no's uh and it's done on a by by the film we're talking about basis so is that enough to let us know that the Coppola's are the greatest film family of all time but yeah I interview people involved in the films when I can uh, a lot of like Nicolas Cage films I've managed to talk to some amazing people only recently I spoke to both the writers Mike Werb and Michael Caleri who wrote Face Off for its 25th uh, anniversary yeah so there's, there's all sorts of fun stuff there's it's, it's just it seems to spiral out into more interesting avenues currently we're here looking at um 
the TV show The Offer, which is based on um, stories by Albert S. Ruddy about the mm-hmm. making of The Godfather. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's a tangential connection to that. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm just kind of, I'm all over the place. But yeah, the Coppola family and Nicolas Cage is where my kind of bread and butter is. That's amazing. That's uh, something I, was, I was, wasn't very aware of, that there was such a kind of breadth of the Coppola family. I even didn't even know like Nick Cage up until I kind of come, came across your podcast that he was part of that family. Obviously, that kind of overreaching thing. So it's very interesting kind of journey you're going on, and um, very interesting obviously getting the guys from Face Off because obviously Face Off is one of the most bananas movies, yes, and <laughs> in, in cinema history, especially as a, as a Nicolas Cage performance. It's um, and we're going to be talking about one of his co-stars later on in a little bit. Yes, yes, um, there's a um. There's there's an there's just an amazing that's an amazing run right of three movies, The Rock, Conair, and Face Off just like absolutely was, yes in a span of two years and it's um yeah it, it was a lot of fun to talk to those guys it's kind of I don't know it's kind of inspired me to maybe dive into that era specifically for a, for for a project that I might be working on so yeah it's um yeah it's bananas <laughs> absolutely. And we're quite, we're quite lucky here in Glasgow. I've I've got friends that put on Kajarama, uh-huh. and the guys from Matchbox Cinema Club and yep, Sean and um, a, Sean and Megan, right? Sean and Megan, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, they're awesome. Um, great friends of the podcast. Um, and obviously they had obviously a bit of a length and breadth of people have come over kind of to talk about Keith Cage, and obviously they've had his stunt double. Apparently he was yeah. as, Mar- as Mar- mad Marco, as a yeah. brush, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, I've, very I've... a strange, very strange individual. Uh, I get my, told many stories about how he sort of believed that English was his best pal, and then that wasn't that wasn't really much <laughs> the case. But um, yeah, it's a very Mar- interesting Mar- character. Yeah, you know, I ended Cage, up I speaking to Marco for like two hours on the podcast. He's like. Uh, and he was my like link to the guys from Face Off as well. It's yeah. kind of it was a mad story how that kind of transpired. And um, I don't know, I don't know whether it's because I'm a fellow Greek that he's like, oh yeah, I, mean, I want to get behind this guy, or just the kind <laughs> of the waves I've made from doing this kind of very niche podcast. Mm-hmm. I say niche. There's probably over twenty Nicolas Cage podcasts, and um, yeah. I don't know. I find it friendly rivalry to try and mm. to try and outdo the rest of them. <laughs> I think I think when you you've you've got something like that, and obviously that you're able to kind of branch into something different and um not focus on one thing. Obviously, that's what we do with this podcast. We're trying to be a bit different. I mean, how many? I don't know if you know. There's there's quite a few movie podcasts in the world currently. Yes. <laughs> there's a few. I've noticed a few online. You know, kicking about, starting up. Good luck to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but we try to do a little bit of something different, obviously, in doing this podcast, especially something a little bit different from just talking about horror movies or science fiction movies or, you know, or Marvel movies all the time. It's, it's yes. nice to kind of come out and talk about a little bit of a different breadth of, 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 of movies. Um, yes, but- I, I, I totally understand that. And even in what I'm doing, obviously, like, I've got the Coppola family, I've got Francis Ford Coppola sat right there, and I've got such, I mean, he's he's directed some of the, like, people would argue the greatest like American movies in the last of course, like, oh, absolutely. 50 years. And I'm still just fascinated by the curios and the weird films that the family have put out. It's like, I don't know, I'm kind of, 
always see it like too easy there's so many podcasts and some of like a lot of them are amazing but like do you know what I mean you can kind of flick through podcast feeds and it will be like hey we're talking about ghostbusters this week oh next week we're talking about back to the future and it kind of i don't know it feels yeah. like that's easy pickings do you know what I mean it's kind of like you're gonna you're gonna have an inbuilt audience from just going like hey do you remember being a kid and it's like yeah yeah, yeah i do let's talk about those films you watched as a kid <laughs> it's very much the peter key formula yeah. of, of, of podcasting so can you tell me a little bit of how you kind of first get into movies how did you can you tell me your kind of first memories of being a child watching films as a kind of a film that you remember watching for the first time or it's maybe on tv or being taken to the cinema yeah, I was, I was actually talking to a friend about this the other day, not even in relation to this podcast. And we were talking about that thing of something that you never see today is because I, I, have, I, have I, yeah, I have a three-year-old son and I was talking about like the right age to show him stuff because I remember a lot from being a kid of watching a lot of like, um, do you know what I mean, like Channel 5 uh, late afternoon Saturday films where it's like nowadays you'd see them on DVD and it's like oh that's a 12 it's like yeah. oh no that was that was like that was like yeah that was like five o'clock viewing on a Saturday <laughs> that was that was fine and then it's like years later like yeah so films like The Goonies I remember like really being into that or just weirder films not weirder films but the stuff like Free Ninjas which uh, my oh, friend yes, had my friend hadn't heard of and I was like, oh, it's basically the karate kid and home alone just put in a blender. Yes. And it's kind absolutely. of like that is <laughs> that is that that was the pitch meeting and they obviously went, We're signing off immediately. Um <laughs> But yeah, that that thing of as you get older and you watch something like the Goonies and it's like when Chunk spills the milkshake on himself, he's like, Ah oh, shit. And it's like, what? I never knew he said that. Like, as, as, as soon as, like, when I saw that as a kid, it was, ah, ad break. Or, like, yes, it was yeah. it was just kind of cut to the next scene. So, um, yeah, I think, like, movie-going experiences, it's kind of weird. I don't, I don't know, I don't tend to remember that much of my childhood. Um, but that's, this is probably not the podcast to discuss that. Um, <laughs> but I have a very vivid memory of going to see um the prince of egypt with my dad wow. when i was really young yeah the the animated kind of moses story and like kind of been blown away by that but yeah a lot of probably more of my experiences with films would have been the video shop or like mm. watching stuff on tv or kind of i'm the youngest of three so and there's a, a, a five-year age gap between me and my siblings so i remember like kind of just watching what they wanted to watch a lot of the yeah, time yeah. and it was yeah it was i kind of grew up i, I guess it's kind of hack to say it but it's just true is that, that 90 kids thing 90s kid thing it's yeah like a diet of et the goonies a lot of like ambling stuff but then mm. as i said like Free Ninjas, the Karate Kid, I remember watching a lot. And I have, yeah, a very distinct memory of watching Commando when I was nine years old. And I think yeah. that made a real impact <laughs> on me. And I remember it was, I watched it around a friend of mine's house daily. Shout out daily if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he had it on VHS. And then I think 
yeah, he came to stay at mine. And everyone I speak to this about has, like, they look at me like I've just landed from another planet. But we used to have it in our house that we could put a VHS tape in downstairs and you could go to, like, a channel upstairs. I'm not sure how it worked out, like, if it was done through, like, uh the aerial or something like that like okay but you could watch what was on the the, vi- the video player downstairs in the bedroom that's nuts I've, n- I've never come across that in my life that's really mad so yeah i i i i probably should google the 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 the, the science behind it and figure that out <laughs> one day and kind of say to people like give them do you know what i mean give them the facts we're like no, no, it's true it is true this does happen and i remember yeah, being nine years old, playing that. And you could watch whatever, you could like still continue watching the TV downstairs. Yeah. It wasn't like it had to be on. And I just remember being, yeah, um, nine years old and my mum just calling me down and going, Petros. And she never calls me Petros. She always calls me Pet. So I was like, ah, oh, shit, I'm in, I'm in some kind of trouble here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her film like, name. <laughs> yeah, she's just, she's just turned over to the, to the video channel. Yeah, she's like just seen Arnold Schwarzenegger either like snap Bill Duke's neck or drop um, Matey from the from the Warriors <laughs> off a cliff. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you said you were gonna kill me last. I lied. Like, she's like, are you sure you should be watching this? And my like defense was, oh, it's, it's okay. I watched it last week at Daly's house, yeah. and that was fine. Like, I was like, oh, okay, have you watched it before? That's that's fine. So yeah, I guess. I guess it is those kind of sneaky watching films on VHS. And again, yeah. I think he had an even bigger age gap between an older sibling, like maybe like 10 years, 10 years plus. And like, yeah, like getting those, getting those like sneaky VHSs and stuff like that, <laughs> like from older siblings was kind of that. That's, I think the thing that has more of a lasting impact on me than like cinema trips. Like, I don't know, like, I must have gone to the cinema as a kid, but I'm not, I don't know. I don't know if my parents were big cinema people. Mm, like, mm. They, they, they're not very much now. They they love films, but like, yeah. I say that. They will watch, <laughs> my mum and my stepdad will watch films and then 30 to 40 minutes in we'll go, I think we've watched this before. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Or, or or a mark of a good film for them is do you know that's this this is based on a true story it's like okay i guess i guess that means it's it's a decent film then absolutely so do you have a would you say you have a favorite movie moment growing up something that sticks out to you i don't um i don't know i don't i like growing up i'm trying to think I'm trying to think how old i would have been uh I have, I don't know, it's probably like a silly, dumb, fun memory. I just remember, I must have been 14, 15 years old um, when it came out. When, yeah, Jackass 2 came out in the cinema. And I remember (laughs) my (laughs) mum bought me and my friend a ticket during the day. And then, like, for a screening later on that evening. And I remember, like, I think I put on, like, my brother's coat. And like some <laughs> some of my some of my yeah some of his aftershave and kind of stood up really tall and went to see that and I I think that would have been like the first eighteen I would have seen and that 
Oh, no, not for, for yeah, first 18, I would have seen it at the cinema. Do you know what I mean? I would have seen 18, mm. so obviously I said, I watched Commando when I was nine. But um, <laughs> that, yeah, that was kind of, and I got to, I got to lovingly kind of, and I remember like maybe like that Friday after, like whatever, we used to hang around down like the Megaplex, it was called, growing up. And somebody had busted open a fire exit and a load of us snuck into another screen, like another screening of Jackass too. Mm. And the same guys I did that with, like I reunited with to go watch Jackass forever this year. So oh, wow, it kind of feels like we've, we've wrapped a bow <laughs> on that thing. It's like we watched, we watched it when we were like 15 when we couldn't. Yeah, for, maybe even younger, <laughs> fourteen years old, and now, now, kind of as thirty-one-year-old men, we return yeah. to watch uh, Jackass Forever, and it was kind of like, ah, oh, that's beautiful. It was kind of like, uh, <laughs> it's yeah, very poignant. tied it all in a nice, <laughs> nice bow. <laughs> it's an amazing, very, very poignant moment to go and see a film about flying dildos. And dildos <laughs> is free. Dildos is free. I think. Well, yeah, sorry, fl- to apologize. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Or sorry, yeah. Erin McGarry getting kicked in the dick about a million, or being bowling balls yes. in the dick about a million times. That's I just recently watched Jackass Forever, and it's like it's, it's no it. less mental than the other ones are, but just yes, amazing. I'll see what you want. It's it, they've <laughs> not grown up, and it's it's it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, okay, made so, me feel it made yeah. me feel kind of uh, uh, yeah, happy in the fact that I haven't grown up either. So. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I'm 40 and still, la- still laughing at guys, guys getting kicked in the dick. So it's it says something about me, about all of us, I think. Um, but so, kind of obviously moving on to the main part of the podcast. And now we're going to talk about the director you've picked for this episode. So, can you tell me a little bit about who you've picked and why? Yeah, I've picked Brian De Palma. And the reason I've picked him is so. I'm just fascinated from doing the podcast I do by the new Hollywood generation of directors. And I guess the kind of, you can, you can say there's more, but the kind of staple names would be Francis Ford Coppola, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, uh, Martin Scorsese and Brian De Palma. Mm. And I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm kind of betraying my podcast in a way, but like, (laughs) I just love like i don't know there's something about brian de palma's films it mm. kind of feels like he's he, he's tapped into something that i just get and i like and i love like on screen and i don't know like he's showy he's kind of he's got like a like a house style of like mm. how he directs it's kind of like every film it's like uh you can spot oh, split diopter shot he's oh he's doing a tracking shot he's doing this mm. he's doing that and it's just like i don't know cinematic crack for me to see all that stuff play out and then the stories themselves like even if he's not like writing uh, the films or whatever it always film yeah every film feels like a brian de palma film and of all of those directors i think he had like i don't know He's maybe not the best career, but he's got the one of the, he's got like the most fascinating career. Like, and he kind of yeah, there's all these stages to it, and I guess we're not really going to be able to talk about the length and breadth of that because obviously mm-hmm. the the films I've picked, I've I've picked the ones that I don't know. I could have easily have thrown a 
dart a, a, a dartboard with all his films on there and just went, yeah, those three, that would do. But it's just like, what is my heart telling me about mm. what I want to talk about? And it was, it was, the, yeah, it was, it was, it was these three films. I think, so, vi- yeah, visually, um, tonally, what Brian De Palma manages to capture is something that I absolutely, it just, it just speaks to me in a, in a way, and I just can't, I, I can't quite put my finger on it. But so, what we're going to do now, um, we're going to go, going to go through for your first pick. So, can you tell me what you picked first? Yeah, so the first film I picked was 1981's Blowout. It began with a sound that no one was ever supposed to hear. He's one who saw Yes, he says he pulled the girl out of the car. I would like you to forget about her. De Palma's blowout. Now you hear it. Now you don't. Which um, Brian De Palma had the concept for whilst uh, mixing the sound for um, one of his previous films, um, Dress to Kill. Mm. And yeah, the film stars John Travolta and Nancy Allen and John Lithgow and is just a fantastic kind of post jfk assassination Mm. like paranoid thriller that also has a lot to say about filmmaking as well Mm. and kind of you can you can see the character of jack terry that uh john travolta plays almost being somewhat a surrogate as many i think (laughs) many uh de palma characters are there's like there's characters in all these films that kind of feel like him. Do you know what I mean? And he kind of peppers himself mm. throughout throughout this in different characters. And I, yeah, I, re- I really love, I really love that about this. That it's kind of, it's part blow up, blow up the um, uh, Michelangelo Antonioni film. It's part the conversation, the Francis mm. Ford Coppola film. Mm-hmm. And then it's all just kind of put in the blender and put through the kind of. Uh, Brian De Palma split diopter and comes out as this kind of beautiful, tragic film that, yeah, that I just, I just love. I think like, I, I think this might be not just like my favorite Brian De Palma film. This might be like 
one of my favorite films i mm. I, I i i only caught it like two years ago it's kind of one that i don't i think i must have seen it before then as well like i must have seen it on like parts of it on tv yeah um but like yeah i just i just love it <laughs> i'm I, I have to echo you definitely on, on that but i watched it recently maybe about two three years ago maybe and i think i was just kind of in a kind of a diploma kick I was kind of watching Dress to Kill. I was watching um, Carrie and so forth. Can I just, I just, I wanted to kind of find, and obviously I'm, a, I'm my kind of films I like, real like, sort of frilly, Argento, Giallo, mystery mm-hmm. movies. I like those, those other kind of movies I really enjoy, whether they be horror, whether they be sort of just, just straight up thrillers like this one. Um, I'm so, I was captivated by this movie because it's, in in a film about sound production, there is such amazing sound production from the guy doing the sound mm-hmm. production about this film about yeah. sound production. It's sound, it sounds so a, a weird thing to say, but it's there's an amazing scene we kind of talking about the kind of the kind of the kind of main sort of blowout scene, I should say. Um, is it Tiptoe was um kind of Jack Terry? He's recording wind in the field, and then he's kind of he's kind of going. To, Launching over these kind of these lovers, you're mm-hmm. kind of a bit creeped out by them, and there's there's frogs, and there's there's so much detail, kind of details to different parts of that of that yeah. scene that make it so. I mean, if you listen to, it, I, I watch a lot of times when I'm, I'm watching films on a laptop, or if I'm watching, obviously, my DVD player, so I'm watching things with headphones. So that film is definitely a good film to kind of sit with your headphones in, like you and I are mm-hmm. on this, as you can't see, but <laughs> as an audio podcast, of course, but. It's, you can hear every, you can make it every part of it. And it's such an engrossing movie when you listen to that and the soundtrack of it as well. And the music and everything's very, very thought out when the Palmas made this movie. It's, it's, when he set out to make a film about sound introduction, he's made sure that every facet of that makes sense and leads you in to, to try and find out things. You listen, you listen to the parts of the, is, is that a gunshot? Is that a blowout? Is the tire blown out? You're yeah. trying to kind of, you're almost in his sort of role of Jack with Jack Terry and kind of trying to find out the mystery. Um, my, obviously, think... speaking about a little bit about obviously the movie production, and we'll talk about a lot about in your second pick as well. He does have kind of quite a, a fondness for showing the other side of the camera, you know how things are made, how sound production is made, and we'll talk a little bit a bit more about you know well, he... how movies are made in a sort of sense as yeah, well. He'd... So. He does. He does a thing as well in this film that, uh, it, and it kind of feels like I don't know, because I think it's something I like about Brian De Palma. There's like a sneeringness to him, and this mm. film kind of opens with like, and I guess like the kind of punchline to the film as well, is like a sneeriness towards like schlocky mm. horror movies in a, or like kind of cinema, yes. and it's kind <laughs> of like you get this, you get this almost thing of like, oh. What I'm doing is like art. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, even then, like, yeah, because it opens with that amazing shot of like this steady cam. This would have been the first time mm. that Brian De Palma had used steady cam, and it's like that thing of if anyone like steady cam was invented for. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind <laughs> of like Hitchcock would have really probably benefited yes, from it. Yes, but then, yes, like, absolutely, yeah. His his main acolyte. Uh, Brian De Palma is like the next person on the totem pole where it's like 
he needs like steady cam mm. would kind of change his game forever especially with his like one well, like yeah uh oneers and stuff like that and but the way that kind of like because yeah you, like the first time watching it you're kind of like oh what is this like mm. and then you kind of taken out from it <laughs> and then introduced to jack terry and the kind of guy he works for and that the thing that kind of that premise of that scream do you know what mm. i mean like that is kind of like the setup and then it's yeah. kind of the ultimate kind of bittersweet payoff at the end of the film of like the scream isn't right and mm. kind of sets the ball rolling for this yeah. kind of uh mystery that he finds himself in and that, i find and that i find that fascinating yes it's definitely and it's I, I think if you'd i think if you know if i was putting in this I'd never seen any or heard it from before, and I'd put in this film for the first time and seen that opening scene, which is very, is very kind of Halloween esque yes. at the beginning. It's you know the, the killer's eyes and the breathing, and you know I'm looking for the windows and stuff like that. It's, it's very, it's almost a kind of a pop, a lot about John Carpenter and those slasher movies. Because obviously at that time you're having Friday the Thirteenth, you're having, you know, obviously if you've had Halloween, you're having a kind of final exam and. My Bloody Valentine's, these kind of films that are coming out, these kind of schlocky, you know, get, just get them out, just get them out the door. And that's the same as, you know, the, the people that Jack Terry's working for in this movie, because he talks about they made six, five or six movies in the last two years. So they're not like waiting about, they're just going, right, next one on, on to the next one, on to the next one. So it's almost a kind of like a cheeky sort of dig at those movies. Mm-hmm. Like, as you said yourself, I, these these are films, but I make art Mm-hmm. And you'll see that when we when the kind of almost when they, you know, we pull out from all those kind of the schlock, you realize that I'm making you know beautiful cinema, and it's it's, it's a beautiful movie, and it's but it's, it's kind of funny, right? Because Brian De Palma, like, kind of with retrospect, like his films do kind of now fall fall kind of on the shl- I don't know. There is a schlockiness mm. to them. Do you know what I mean? They're very. They're always like kind of quite, quite high concept. And only mm. what a year before this, he's making Dress to Kill, which yes. has got like a, a lot of schlock to it. Yes, but, like, it definitely I, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like now, especially like um, I'm not sure elsewhere in the world, but uh, at least in the UK, a lot of his films were put out on Arrow. And they're mm. kind of like their bread and butter is schlock cinema. Yes, yeah, they're, they're kind of schlock. like. Yeah, I think what Brian De Palma does is he's kind of got a foot in each world. He's kind of like, yeah, there may be there may be kind of schlock within my films, but mm. like I'm making them at the kind of the highest caliber that I can. Mm. And like by the time you get to the '90s and he makes Raising Kane, he's kind of fully embraced schlock mm. and kind of uh soap yeah. opera so like yeah he's kind of i don't know i guess he had a bit of a bee in his bonnet in 1981 mm. and then, mm. hey it made it made it made a fucking great movie so <laughs> can't really yeah and i'm and I, i'm a firm fan of raising cane it's like it's it's quite a daft movie but it's it's mm-hmm. also again another amazing john lefkow movie because he yes does he does he does and does kind of scary the scary protagonist or antagonist very very well he's got mm-hmm. he, he has a sort of a great kind of foothold and being the kind of meek funny guy when he's in Harry Henderson's or product from his son but he also has this kind of like when and when he's playing Burke in this movie he's he's a quite a, quite a creepy disgusting kind of killer um 
very kind of serial killer esque and very cold. And obviously, again, named Raisin Kane. And obviously, he's very, very um, comic booky in Bakura Banzai. But um, he kind of he continues to be one of the one of the, my favorite actors. You know, speaking about kind of cold, cold killers. You know, when he was a Trinity killer and Dexter. Yes, I that yeah. just completely launched him back into the stratosphere in terms of holy shit. Do you remember John Lithgow, the guy from that found the Bigfoot and told him to fuck off? Jack Terry is obviously a sound production engineer. He works on special effects, and one day when he's obviously out to do his kind of rounds and recordings, here's obviously what he hears thinks is a gunshot, and he saves Nancy Allen from a kind of car that's gone off the off the into a creek or a creek. Keep going, crack all the time. Uh, creek <laughs> and um, saves her, and obviously, it kind of finds out a little bit more in the threads about what this is all leading to. It's all about corruption, political corruption, and we kind of talk, talked a little bit more about you know, John F. Kennedy, a little bit more kind of a Reagan assassination kind of happened around that sort of time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, or attempted assassination, I should say, because he's, he's very much alive for a long, long time, unfortunately. <laughs> um, to the detriment of most Americans, I would say. Um, Nancy Allen, I'm going to say right now, is adorable in this movie. I love it. So, I... like, she's just so nice in this movie. Like, there's so sort of an innocence about her the whole way. Even when, it kind of, obviously, can jump ahead a little bit. Even when she's getting kidnapped by Burke, she's still yeah. like, where are we going? What are we yeah, doing I, this for? I, I, Do we have I, to? I love, <laughs> I, like... I, I, I absolutely love, like, Nancy. I think, like, 1981 Nancy Allen is, like, my mm. dream woman. Like mm. there's something, and yeah, the character of the character of Sally is is just mm. like she's fantastic. And I like mm. I know that a lot of like studio heads at the time were trying to push Olivia Newton John for this for this role because mm. I think originally like De Palma had this this film pigeonholed as a lower budget film, and then mm. Travolta got involved, and then it's yeah. like oh your $5 million budget has now turned to like $20 million. Mm, and mm. Uh, Travolta had enjoyed working with Nancy Allen so much on Carrie mm, 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 that he was like, yeah, like Na- Nancy should play that role, which yeah, outside of the film probably led to some complications because I believe that uh, De Palma and Nancy Allen's relationship at that time was kind of on rocky ground. So like, it's probably <laughs> like, Okay, like uh, Travolta wants my kind of yeah my 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 soon to be ex wife in this film. I guess yeah. I guess we go. I guess we're going yeah, with it. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's got like this cynical edge to him, but then he's got that kind of Travolta charm, and then like the way they kind of bounce off each other, and like that like because obviously he's like throughout their whole knowing each other, he's almost got this ulterior motive but you kind mm. of like feel that slip throughout the film as well yeah. and like kind of i don't know how could you not kind of be won over by her charm like when she's Absolutely. kind of when he says to her like when he gets her to wear a wire later on in the film and she's like hey maybe we could go to new york we could watch the we could watch the sugar babies on stage <laughs> and stuff like that and it's yeah. like how could you not kind of like be won over by it? and like Absolutely. when he's even earlier on in the film, he's talking about like what he does uh, for film. She's like, "Oh, I'd love to do stuff in film. I actually do makeup and stuff like that." And the the flirting in the bar, and mm. she's like, oh, mm. "I've got the no makeup look. It took me two hours." And he's like, "Oh, you got no makeup on?" And like, yeah, she just has <laughs> these kind of like embarrassed looks and stuff like that. And I think yeah. 
yeah they're totally they're totally believable as these like they're totally believable as their characters and you kind of i don't know you buy into that thing so obviously jack terry yeah. there is an element where he's like playing that white knight and he's kind of trying to expose this corruption and stuff like that mm, and mm. um yeah i think he like the character gets a kick out of kind of saving nancy allen and yeah i could definitely like i could definitely see them if things transpired differently at the end of this mm. them being together it was it's not yeah yeah like i don't know you watch some films and like the two leads like nah like yeah they would, yeah there is nothing there but yeah, i think yeah. I think the kind of LED John Travolta was hard not to, hard not to like him in in, mm-hmm. in these movies. You know, he's 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 instantly sort of an obviously a very handsome guy at that point. You know, very kind of baby face at this point, and very kind of obviously coming off a Saturday Night Fever and those kind of movies that he's, he's had at that point. Um, obviously playing a, playing a bit of a dickhead in in Carrie, but um. He's, he's he's extremely lovable in these movies. I mean, now he's obviously he's very different and still a lovable in a, diff, a completely different way. And I kind of he's almost become Nicolas Cage in terms of like his action movies. He makes kind of ridiculous films that mm-hmm. he's kind of gone on to make. But yeah, like he he's John Travolta was just a kind of an icon, really. Just an iconic kind of guy that seemed to be very like there's a presence to him in a sense. He's fucking cool in this film as well. I think yes, like absolutely, that, yeah, that, I agree, that yeah, is definitely. undeniable. Like he's just there's something really cool about him, kind of like the way he dresses, like the the rolled up shirt, and he's always got mm. a cigarette on the go. Like his shirt's tucked in. It's like he's just got this nervous energy to him as mm. well because mm. he's kind of mm. always on the go. He's got this he's got this thing burning at him. He's trying yeah. to expose the truth, and I love the fact that this film is almost about that thing of like trying to expose a conspiracy theory. And then, like, even if, like, even if you get to the end and you do, nobody fucking cares. Like, mm. do you know I mean, yeah. all the all the way throughout, like, everyone's like, he gets, yeah, like, the police don't give a shit. There's the guy who works for the governor who died in the, the mm. car crash. Like, he's like, you didn't see the girl. Yeah. And, like, you've just got, like, him kind of throughout the film getting more and more worked up, more disheveled and, like, but, yeah, he's just, I don't know. He's just cool. He's just cool with it as well. And it's kind of like, I always joke and say like, when I'm editing my podcast, like I've sometimes put up a picture of like him looking disheveled, smoking mm. a cigarette. And it's like, yeah, that's, that, 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 that's how I wish I looked. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's probably one of my favorite to vote roles. I would say definitely of, definitely of the ease in terms of like of, of these movies, but just because he is so effortlessly, effortlessly cool, but he also plays very manic and very like aggressive and the sort of white, as you say, the white knight of the movie. I just think he's just phenomenal. Again, I see Alan Nash Allen's amazing in this movie. John Lithgow, again, a, a, a completely great actor that's in this movie that's you don't see much of, but when you see him, he, he does make a, like, a huge impact. And, and I don't um, think like Travolta is unbelievable as that character as well. You know, there's certain people you mm. see in films and you're like, oh, that guy, you don't like, he's not going to be there. Do you know what I mean? Like you sometimes see people in period films. And it's like, no, nah, you've got a face that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't look like you belong in like the, yeah, the 18th yeah. century. And it's like, 
Travolta look. I don't know. He's got a look about him that looks mm. like, yeah, you can kind of, and I, yeah. And I guess he kind of, he had a partner who died in like 1977, I think just before he started or 1976, just before he started filming Saturday night fever. And it very mm. much feels like he's kind of channeling that anguish mm. throughout this film. And it's, I, I know that Quentin Tarantino like cites this film as like a, one one of his favorites yeah this was the reason he cast travolta in pulp fiction was like oh yeah i love i loved his portrayal of jack terry and mm. i can see it like there's just moments in this and it's some of it's physical there is a shot i absolutely adore in this film when he starts to realize that his tapes are being erased mm, yes yeah, yeah. they've been erased and we get that like spinning shot throughout mm. his throughout his studio and him just kind of like losing his mind and like obviously the choreography for it must have been like right you're going here you're going there because you can't see any cut there's obviously no, yeah like, yeah it's like, it's like one shot yeah so like and you just you just really buy into it and you just mm. like all, all the way through you just buy it and oh like the way he the way he sells the final line of this film, mm. like you're like I fucking I it's feel for you, man. Yeah, the he's like, yeah, good scream, good mm. scream. Just kind of like takes another drag on his cigarette, mm. and it's like, oh man, like you yeah. can't. It's always like you can't tell anyone about this. Do you know what I mean? Like it's all for everything yeah, he's you, done. Bring it like, oh, Matt. We get women that women I loved has now been murdered by yeah. somebody trying to cover up a presidential assassination essentially, and it does have quite a this film does have quite a bleak ending, a quite a kind of a very mm-hmm. sad ending. Almost, I would say, um, as obviously the Burke kidnaps Nancy Allen's character Sally, um, believing Sally believing obviously to be a reporter that they're going to be exposing is going to be exposing this blowout, and obviously the conspiracy behind it. Unfortunately, she's taken to a kind of a, a sort of a private display, um, for the cracking of the, of the new Liberty Bell. I think they're gonna, yeah. or the unveiling of a new Liberty Bell they've created from pennies, from <laughs> from child from child orphan children or something, but something very <laughs> kind of fanciful like that. Um, and obviously, devoted racing as hears him. He's got oh. her, obviously he's, t- he's tapped Sally. Obviously, make sure he's got a wiretap on her, so he's kind of racing across the city through this kind of. This sort of a festival, almost, um, this kind of parade to try and kind of catch the train, bef- and get on before you know she he takes her out kind of out of out of the city essentially. And unfortunately, in a kind of an amazing sort of slow motion kind of firework display, unfortunately, he gets there the, the last minute, and Burke's already murdered her. He also mm. kills Burke, and then there's this beautiful shot. As he's holding oh. Nancy Allen, Sally's car, Sally, and this kind of fireworks are going off, and it's, it's such a upsetting scene. We see how beat down he is. Obviously, he's got previous of kind of like this, mm. this guilt of kind of like um, trying to do his job when he used to work for the police and kind of trying mm. to like get wires on yeah c- cops to kind of mm. expose corruption and stuff like that yeah we get that amazing sequence where he's retelling that story of that guy oh and yeah the, definitely the battery burns him and he kind of runs in and he's been hung and stuff like mm. that so it's almost that thing of like history's repeating itself and yeah 
isn't it's almost like not that he's given up on I don't know he's, he's almost like yeah he's given up on himself and everyone mm. it's like not that thing of like fuck everyone it's like that thing yeah. of like I just don't know what to do like yeah. it's almost like it's it must be me at this point like I'm trying to do my best to 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 further things and make things better mm. But they just always turn to shit, and it's yeah. it's yeah. That ending's heartbreaking, and I just I don't know. I love. I think, uh, yeah, I think it almost because he talks. He talks about the mo- in the movies, like if, if he worked on anything that I, I know of, and he's like, no, I've not worked on anything bigger than for that. It was always these these movies. He never got his kind of big break as well to like into major movies. Okay. He was always going to make schlock, and yeah. now he's stuck with a sort of like quite see the see the director, and um, that's it. So it, in terms of, in terms of like the the ending, it just seems really bleak, and I can I kind of like it. It's it's hard to it's sad it's weird to say that you like something ha- being upsetting at the end, but it's almost an interest an interesting thing to to end it because there is no sort of like happy ending for them. They mm. both don't get what they want to do. Like you see, you know, that you know, shortly before Nancy Allen character Sally dies, the tapes are destroyed, they're thrown in the river, so it, it will never come out, there's nothing there, there's no evidence, there's, yeah. there's zero, you know, like there's, there's just nothing to to look forward to, nothing to kind of work on, there's no sort of, at least they got this, got to do this, at least they got to, at least you know she didn't die in vain, there's nothing yeah. like that, it's completely out of the window, which is a strange, a, a strange choice, but a choice that I really enjoyed, that it, kind of subverts your expectations in terms of the movie, and um, and I think what's beautifully done with like, with this film. I'm not sure how you feel about it, but like every time I watch it, I almost like I'm willing for even though I know the outcome, mm. I'm willing things to go differently. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like you're kind of there, just like it's so tense and like Jack Terry's so close mm. that it's just like you. And I think it's something De Palma does really well yeah. in his kind of suspense and we'll talk about it in the next film as well, is you're just like, ah, no, no, you know how it's going to go, but you just want it. You just like, mm, you're mm. willing it to go differently. And I think to kind of um, expel that kind of reaction out of people is what mm. kind of filmmaking should be. And like, yeah, I think it what it's what makes, especially this film, well, yeah, it makes all three of, I think it's what all three of these films have in common is like you can watch them over and over again, but there are certain scenes and you're just willing it to go differently mm, every time. And it, it, it still ends or kind of like a moment happens that will never change. Mm, but like, mm, yeah, you're, you're always rooting for it too. And I think it's a, a great magic trick. Absolutely, absolutely. So... What I'm going to do is going to, now we're going to go into a second pick. Mm-hmm. Um, again, so like we did before, can you tell me a little bit what your second pick is? Yeah, it's uh, Brian De Palma's, uh, funnily enough, <laughs> <laughs> um, follow-up to Scarface, which kind of puts this in context uh, mm. somewhat. And it is his film from 1984, Body Double. He thought he was watching her, but she was watching him.
thought he was trespassing, but he was invited. He knew he had gone too far. He couldn't stop. He saw exactly what she wanted him to see. master of suspense invites you to witness a seduction, a mystery, a murder, body double. You can't believe everything you see. Which um, sees an actor, Jake Scully, who suffers from claustrophobia, who um, manages to get, I don't know, his life's going to shit, his girlfriend's cheated on him. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. He's kind of he he he's yet to find out he's been fired from the job he was on. Uh, gets kind of too good to be true. Uh, apartment to look after whilst the friend goes out of town, mm. and uh, yeah, sees a sees a woman who seems to strip every night at midnight across the way through a telescope, and then things go terribly wrong for our friend jake scully yeah i think i think if you if you compare if you just had blowout and then body double i think they would they're quite a, a good pairing in terms of you know a double bill if you've seen that at cinema you'd 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 naturally see them as two sort of kind of co-existing films almost um I, like you say it's it's very hitchcockian mm-hmm. there's a lot of very Hitchcock kind of shots, you know, the kind of when they're driving, it's all kind of um, the kind of Breer sort of projection. They're always kind of, you know, driving, you know, like it's almost yes. like just, you know, that kind of like sort of like in the birds sort of thing, the, you know, the tippy hedge and sort of thing, but they're just, you know, you're almost like thinking the crow's going to come and hit. Um, yeah, Jake Gwasson in the, the Jake thing is, in I, th- his face. <laughs> I think the whole film is playing with that idea of what films are because like Mm. the 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 title sequence and when the when the title appears on screen it then like rolls away that it's Mm. just like a backdrop on a lot Mm. and it's Mm. like and the way it's playing with like the titles where it's like the two fonts kind of melding away and it's kind of like yeah yeah it's like a it's like a schlocky kind of um kind of vampire it's kind of like a vampire sort of like a rocky like a horror picture bit. show almost yeah yeah like, yeah it's that kind of font, like font sort of... and then into like a very very like standard uh i don't know like sheriff font mm. so like yes, say yeah, say yeah, body yeah. double and it kind of the font fans are... <laughs> yeah and it, it, it but it like it, it from that moment is kind of like giving you hints mm. of like this what this film is it's all about duality and, yes uh, yeah yeah, yeah. And the the film itself is almost I don't know it's almost like you can fold the film in half it kind of mm. is almost like two films <laughs> rolled yeah. into one and there's yeah there's there's I don't know there's there's stuff in this film where you're like I shouldn't like this as much as I do but mm. it just really mm. really sticks with me and like there's stuff where it's like is this bad 
I yeah. don't. I, I think it might be bad. Very, <laughs> I really love it. There's a very specific scene which we'll, we'll get to in a little bit, which is very out of nowhere <sighs> in terms of even 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 the the, the premise of the, that movie. Yeah, so obviously he gets cheated on by his girlfriend, played by Barbara Crampton. As her, this is her first first role. I think and they, they talk about her Amazing. first role, her first first certainly first nude role, apparently. Um, according to IMDb. Um. Yeah, as I talked about, obviously, Craig Wasser, obviously, he was in a Dream Warriors, he was in a very fun movie called Ghost Story, which has got um, a lot of great, great actors, a very, some, it's kind of, I think it's got, it's like Bing Crosby's in that movie, which is a very okay. strange, it's a kind of, I think it's in the 1980s, I think kind of the film he came out, had before he came, this film came out. It's a very kind of weird sort of ghost film, um, but you should, and he plays like dual characters in that. He's a brother, a brother and... Two, sorry, two brothers, I should say. Just, just. Only distinction is that one of them has a mustache, and that's it. That's the only difference between the two of them. One's got a mustache; they're exactly the same person, <laughs> basically. Um, so he tries to kind of save this this woman. It's all like in bros and this sort of this plot to. He's this kind of stalker, this kind of masked, and they call him Indian, which I thought I thought was a little bit of uh, wording mm. of the times. Yeah, um, so kind of a Native yeah, American. Yeah. He's very no, sort of it's kind of weird sort of maniac cop sort of mask to him. He's very kind of scars and it just like watching it now after watching watching it before, you can tell him all your mouths away that it's, it's Greg Henry. <laughs> uh, and like I don't know how he un- I didn't see him in the first place, but it's 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 a very, very not not a horrible not a horrible but a horrible mask by any standards, but it's quite fun. Um but well, it's the, the mask bit... itself looks like it's kind of melting. Yes, like, yes, it does look so, like... so... <laughs> But can I just obviously to touch on that? Obviously, the porn part of this. Obviously, he gets involved in porn. He's going to find out obviously that Melanie Griffiths is dancing the same way as the sort of person, this woman he's peeping on. Um, so he kind of goes and auditions. Um, I don't think he really knows what he's getting himself into, and then it goes from oh, take your clothes off and straight into relax. Like I'll relax by Frankie go to Hollywood. Like. Video music video, it's, music yeah, video yeah. is like very strange, and it's not as if like there's this guys, it's like songs playing in the background. The guys from Frank and Hollywood are there. You know, the, you've got your, your you've got your main guy. I don't know their names. I'm like I'm more of a Duran Duran fan. Um, <laughs> if I'm looking for eighty synth, I'm looking for Duran Duran. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, but it's, I, it's, it's, I think... it's, it's sort of kind of kicks in. You go. I remember watching it for the first time and going. Sorry, what the fuck? Like, why? Why yeah. are the guys from Frankie Ho- goes to Hollywood here? Like, well, it's, and it's, it's a music video in the middle of this film. It's, it, I, it's, and it's I think that's honest. what makes it really fast. And it kind yeah, of, yeah. it's like a turning point because mm. up until then, it's almost like a contained story of, and there's a, a mate. Like, there's a couple of amazing sequences in in that kind of first half. I love the kind of seeding of the Sam Bashard character, and mm. it like really warrants on rewatch. Right when you kind of see him, kind of keep bumping into Jake mm, mm. and it kind of is, is is called back to later on in the film where he realizes yeah. like when he's recounting things being like, oh yeah this guy like I keep like he saw me here he heard yeah. me talking about that I need an apartment he was at he was at this mm, uh, acting mm. class I was at and stuff like that <laughs> he was kind of sizing me up for a role that I didn't know I wanted to play but um there's a sequence when 
he obviously sees the the the, the Native American guy mm. um, kind of doing some industrial work, and he's also peeping on um, the woman that um, yeah, uh, what's her name? Uh, Julia, Gloria. Yeah, he's peeping. They're both peeping on Gloria, and then the next day. Is he following Gloria or just happens to see her and sees the Native American guy follow her? I think I think then... he follows her at the, at the beginning sort of thing. He he sees her going out the apartment and goes, right, I'm going to follow her. So he kind of goes into town and yeah. then sort of follows her on sort of thing. And like then he sort of runs that, into the sort of mall part of it when he sees it. That whole sequence from like the mall to mm. the beach mm. is... I, I, it's just so great like mm. there's so many great shots there's so many great like kind of De Palma tricks like this kind of like him going down onto the beach yeah. back up and there's that kind of tracking shot that kind mm. of goes mm. up the hill follows him he's on the balcony above her and stuff like that and then there's like her running onto the beach and then he spots the the yeah he spots the kind of the the other guy like mm. coming down onto the beach and then you don't know what's going to happen mm. there's like those beach tents and stuff like that and he grabs the handbag and the way that that kind of sequence ends with him because obviously yeah like in vertigo obviously it's established that he's got vertigo it's established in this film that he's got like this kind of claustrophobia panic mm. attack thing that happens yeah. where he kind of like just throws himself again just goes it's almost like, like he's like sort of enclosed spaces he just can't handle it so yeah and um has that kind of run in with the guy in the the subway and then i think a moment that just stay i think about this scene like maybe like once or twice a week is the kiss mm. between between jake yes. and gloria because it is fucking mental like it is <laughs> mental it is it's very like it's it's all, I almost when I was watching it, I was like, what are there people doing in the beach where this where they're like literally tongue fucking each other? Like <laughs> literally yeah. like after maybe like the, the and they have they've they've not really properly met by this point. This is maybe the first conversation they've really had. And he's like he's almost like, I love you and she's like, Right, okay, get, let's get to it. On the beach right now, go for it. It's go time. But um, even the way it's filmed, like it's, it looks it's almost like, like a spirally again, spirally sort of thing. Like, and it's a spirally. It keeps spinning round, but then like the backgrounds look fake. They look yeah, like yeah, kind again. of rear projection again. Yeah, yeah. Like it looks like it's filmed on a soundstage, mm. which like I don't know. I think people will like put this film down for that. But I like there's something about it that like I don't know. I really enjoy that about it. It feels like a conscious choice. Yeah, as opposed to like, oh, we just couldn't afford to film that scene on the beach, like, or like the logistics wouldn't work, and it's, it's just mental. And obviously, we get a reprise of that mm. scene later on in the film. Like, and it's just like, yeah, I love, I like, I love, I, I love that moment. Like, it's just so weird. And yeah, then, there's, a, there's a lot of we- a lot of weird mo- moments in the movie. I think, I f- and I think they just it seems to sort of carry on and, um. That 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 part, like I, I remember being quite young and and seeing that. Obviously, this is a very to touch on what we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast. It's this is very much a BBC One 
midnight movie, you know, mm-hmm. on a Friday, Friday or a Saturday night. And I remember like one day, like just going through the channels and seeing this better, this part of the movie, this this kiss, and thinking, what the fuck is this? It's like it was, it was, it was because it's so like it just looks doesn't look real. It doesn't look as if the people mm-hmm. are there. It looks like CGI or something. It's like, and I'm and he, it's just so vaseline shiny, weird. It's it's such a strange part of the movie, and it doesn't look. And because like he, she's this beautiful woman, and he's sort of this sort of Bill Bill Maher looking guy. Uh-huh. Like just doesn't look like yeah. you could you could really like doesn't really gel for me. I just I, I just, I just thought it was like, it just it does it kind of takes you out the mood because you go why what is I have so many questions about what yes. why this is happening what what's going on and why it's happening who are they to even do this and what if, what if somebody's, I can just I always get to imagine. Somebody coming down that underpass and going, excuse me, I'm trying to get my kids to be, excuse me, can I just get past you, excuse me, just gonna get past you out there, like, my kids, please don't, don't want you watch you fucking eye fucking like, on this beach, I want to enjoy my day, like. It feels like there's a joke made in the next scene as well, because the next scene, it's like, it's, it's Jake uh, in that like kind of amazing apartment, like that actually exists, that house wow, in, that's in a, LA. That's amazing. Um, I think is a lot more kind of sci-fied up for this film with like mm. the kind of that I don't know. I, I think it might have that kind of weird elevator to get in and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah it's a kind of very weird like house that he's uh, house sitting. But when he's um, he's chat, he's like thinking of what to say to her on the phone, and he's like, "Hey, Gloria, it's it's me, Jake, uh, the guy who nearly fucked you on the beach today." And he's like, no, 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 I can't say that. And it feels like it feels like the Palmer's like making a joke. I seen that kind of burst it laughing at. Was it? There's a there's a there's a bit where it's almost like a late night sort of an, like erotic interview show, um, which involves like a man, an, an old, a very much older man, with this gorgeous like sort of like, um, kind of eighties porn star, um. In the, in the sort of hot tub and she's yes. like I'm I'm an expositionist and I thought that's quite on the nose <laughs> for this yeah, movie yeah. because you go oh because your next place like this is the next plot point it's, it's to do with porn and with porn stars and stuff like that so I thought that was quite funny he's like you mean exhibitionist and she's like yeah I'm really I'm sorry like but I, I don't know the difference <laughs> and he's like that's fine he's got a big cigar sort of thing and the kind of microphone like and I'm he's like he's got top he's got like just in this bathtub essentially like interviewing this beautiful woman i just think it's like it just such a strange well, such such a strange little sort of bits on it like it's very yeah yeah i think this film is very on the nose like there's the the like murder scene in this which mm. isn't like we're saying blowout watching it again the other night i was like i always will that to go differently i think mm. it's the way that thing of like and it plays with that same dynamic of somebody like, obviously he's seen what's going on and he's just running to get there. Mm. And you're just like, and there's great little moments where like, he's got that massive drill and he's getting close to her. And then like, it's, there's a shot of the plug yeah. and then it like comes out and it's like another thing of like a sigh of relief. And then like, she like runs and stuff like that like to get out trips up or whatever and then like yeah, she's yeah, down yeah. and it is just like 
keeps going, going, he's running, like, and then he's like scuppered by the dog, like all of these kind of things, like play and play. But like, yeah, the Palmer's on the nose, like the the way that he drills into her, obviously this massive drill, mm. like, and the way he shoots it with it coming down between yeah. the guy's legs into the body. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. that's it's just a massive like kind of like almost like a dick joke of it's like, a, it's like yeah, like look at this like massive you know, penis mem you know, like allegory yeah, sort of thing. Like just, pen, just sort of like penetrative device. Do you yes, know what I mean? Like, so this big drill bit and he's gonna like drill into this woman. And then really, like, like it's very yeah, yeah, like see it's very obvious and it's very obvious overtly sexual and i think the film is in that way it's not quite quite sexual what, i think what the department feels like he's laughing it's what yeah, you, know, you yeah. can imagine him like laughing but this is funny this is perverted <laughs> and this is funny it's like you kind of like it's almost like him saying to the people who thought that like um dressed to kill they were like oh that was that was a bit much or whatever he's like you ain't fucking seen nothing yet <laughs> Like, let me show you what like what 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 much is here like and then yeah. yeah he kind of pulls that out but yeah like I think so many so many moments in this that are, are mental right up until the closing credits again as we spoke about before the both both blowout and boy double are kind of sort of love letters to peek behind the sort of camera of like you know the sort of filmmaking process of this time it's more sort of a actor and of the director relationship rather than obviously being director and obviously you know sound engineer um obviously you've got the wonderful dennis franz from nypd blue um playing, and playing blowout, apparently playing right? and, and blowout as well yeah he plays a really sleazy guy in blowout obviously he's kind of like a sort of a a sort of pimp essentially in blowout this is yeah, a yeah, bit yeah. more restrained he's obviously he's actually apparently he was actually playing de palma yeah playing de palma essentially in this movie yeah yeah um, he's kind of talked to me, so like when when I made this movie, of like I'm just going to play you. And he's like, okay, cool, fine, that's fine. Why you play me? That's fine. So it is very, very the Palma in this kind of movie in terms of like, and obviously, uh, it's just it's just a very good, just a kind of very good acting from him. I like Dennis Franz when he comes turns up. Yeah, he seems to kind of turn up in a lot of B bit parts like this, and obviously Blowout, and obviously Die Hard, or well, Vengeance as well, which is. Die, 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 die Hard 2. Die Hard 2. He plays a sort of antagonistic cop um, of the airport, um, which is, which you know, Bruce Willis and him have kind of a strange relationship in that movie, which is really good. But I, I just think it's, I just did, again, another movie that Palmer, like, that only kind of, kind of come across, you know, in the last couple of years, but I really, really enjoyed it. I really find it very, very fun. And obviously, if you kind of talk about like an end scene. There's a sort of kind of big kind of fight with him and um, he's kind of friend. Yeah, yeah Greg, the kind of Greg Henry character, and he kind of rips off the mask and suddenly he's like finds out that this is. Um, but we have this finds out of he's like he's the killer. He's obviously been setting this up the whole time. We have this amazing sort of shot with you know in the grave when he's in the grave he's getting buried oh. and slowly gets gets longer and longer and longer. Until it almost it has almost this almost like flashback like... thing, like almost like a kind of a coping flashback, right? Of this kind of being in Vampire's Kiss in the movie, when he's like been pulled out, feeling claustrophobic when he's in his kind of um, vampire costume, essentially. 
But how I time, should have dealt with that situation. Yeah, I was like, right, right, yeah. Uh, right, no, I'm not going to, let's not fuck around, I'm going to come out of this. And it's such an, such an amazing like, shot, because it's all like, you see Greg Henry's got like, a white background, and it's it's almost like very dreamly and very sort of like, it's almost heavenly in a way. Like, yeah, and it's him, almost like, like into... a kind of, it's almost like the, you know, like the, um, oh, what is it, like the the dot, like the, is it a dolly focus? Like that mm. shot, it almost kind of does that thing. Like the, I think they call it the, 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 the vertigo zoom as well. Mm. Like that thing where it like messes with your perception. Where yeah. It just feels like everything's, yeah, like kind of getting further away all of a sudden. And they're like, yeah, I think like that that, that moment and that because I remember the first time I watched this film and that that dream that kind of like dream sequence kind of like I was like, huh, what's going on here? Is like, is this like is it getting to the point? Are we supposed to believe that this was all like a kind of a panic dream and then it yeah. kind of snaps back into it and it's like, oh no, this is him, like you said, coping with yeah what he needs to do to kind of overcome this situation. Because it definitely makes you think at that point, like you, just, like you just said, that you think that you are back at the beginning of the movie. Like, was this all this? Was this all like a kind of dream we had after it? Is what's what's going on? Is this if everything we've seen previously this completely out the window now? And then, but no, it's yeah. like just just a way of him like kind of closing his eyes and going to a sort of place in his mind that thinks, right, how am I going to deal with this? I've uh-huh. been here before. How can I get myself out of the situation? And when it comes to, and he has this kind of set to with, you know, with Greg Henry's character and Greg Henry's character, character's dog. Yes. Essentially just like jumps, <laughs> pushes him into the river, which is a very, very daft shot. But because the two of them just go right into the drink. And um, I love it. It's just, it just, it's like so, like, it's one of these kind of shots that you just think, I just look so daft. Basically, I love like, this, this, this big again. white, fluffy white dog, and this this kind of gregarious, like half masked man, falling into the river, like just with one shot, which is, just think it's phenomenal. But the, again, this film plays with a similar thing with Blowout as well, as well, mm. right? Like in the fact that I don't know, nobody will believe nobody will believe his conspiracy theory. Like after mm. this, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like it's kind of done with. It's dusted, like. Yeah. Like and it kind of he he moves on with yeah, his exactly. his life. Like it's like there's no, I don't know, that I think the ending to this is a bit more hopeful. That mm, kind of mm. uh, Jake's life is back on track and he kind of gets that role. Yeah, he gets his role back in Vampire's Kiss and like yeah, like uh, he gets, to, gets the, to do the the Belado vampire thing. Again. Oh, I love it. This I just film, think I it's know. so like it's so weird. Like just seeing him like this kind of big sort of bike, like can almost like. Billy Idol, Spike from Buffy, sort of blonde hair, and yeah, it's, it's very it's so Lost like it's, Boys as well. Yeah, 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 like, definitely, yeah, yeah. I, I think this film kind of uh, dictates vampire films going forward. Obviously, it's got the the Vampire's Kiss name in there, mm. and then it's got the kind of aesthetic of Lost Boys in the mm. way that uh, Craig Wasson's character looks like yeah. when he's a vampire, and that that kind of closing scene, that kind of again, it it just feels like this whole film. It's just leading up to a joke, like, and it's yeah, like about strange. about a body double, like, because it's him in the shower, and there's that whole like joke where like put the put the get marker the hand, in, the handy, like, yeah, yeah, put the marker in, they 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 swap the woman out, and he's like, can you can you can you move your body up? 
can you move your like, she's obviously not tall enough she's not the same height as the other woman and like she says to him like you better be nice to my breasts they're very tender and like, yeah, like, like and i'm on my period yeah 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 <laughs> yeah like it's, 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 it's just an, just an amazing like sort of like scene and it's all the all the way the credits, the credits are rolling throughout this yeah. which I, I hadn't watched it before this kind of whole way through I, I'm, I'm one of these people just like now that marvel now i'm just like i'm conditioned to just watch the credits now because I'm just mm-hmm. expecting something to happen at the end. So I sat and watched it and I thought, I just think it's fascinating because you've got sort of Dennis Farina, Dennis Farina, Dennis Franz sort of coming in and they obviously their relationship's kind of, it's been fixed now and they're obviously kind of very much cured of, perhaps kind of cured of his clutch forward, mm-hmm. certainly dealing with it now obviously because he's in the shower scene and he's absolutely fine and it's the whole thing kind of plays out as you see. It's, it's, again, it's one of the kind of cheeky sort of winks behind the camera of like, showing you how this is get set up and yeah, yeah. sort of playing off the name of the film as well it's it's sort of like we, it's very 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 fun and and it looks like him and melanie griffiths of uh, uh yeah him and melanie kind griffiths of get together. Yeah, 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 or, or together and she's kind of like saying to the woman you can have an amazing career in film and stuff like that yeah. so yeah it's kind of i don't know it's almost like the other side of the coin to mm. blow out in a way it's mm. kind of it's like yeah it's a bit more hopeful ending it's yeah, kind yeah, of definitely. i don't know it's again it's high concept it's a lot more campness to it there's a mm. silliness to it there's yeah an unashamed kind of sexuality to it like, absolutely I, I, and it's a film that stays with you mm. like it's i think that a friend of mine like when i said i was watching it, it was like when i he's like when i first watched it so I thought it was like too sleazy. I thought it was too weird. Mm. And then he just couldn't like not think about it. He said like for a year, I just kept thinking about it. And he's like, that's, I think it is a film that really like gets under your skin. Like, and you almost like can't put your finger on it. Why you like it. Mm. Like, but there's just, I don't know. There's obviously you can pick out like we have done. There's like scenes in it. And there's shots that are fantastic. But like, as a whole it's like it is a it is a bit too sleazy it is a bit too weird mm. but i think that's like that's not a negative in the case of this film it's kind of feels like that was very much ingrained and a part of what brian de palma set out to do so oh, yeah, it does it, it it's successful in doing that and kind of stays with you <laughs> and i think i think almost it's almost kind of plays off like a kind of it has that sort of silliness and that sort of um, kind of campness of films like kind of the birds, like vertical, mm-hmm. like rear window. It's got that sort of not not that those films are kind of campy in any way, shape, or form. Obviously, certainly the birds is because it's very very daft, but it's it, it does have a sort of like I don't know a kind of a very sort of sixtiesy sort of looseness to it as well. But also, it's almost feel like. A film if you if Hitchcock could you know, I don't know if he how when he died, but if he'd wanted to make a movie in the eighties, he probably would have made a movie like this. Knowing yes. what we know <laughs> about how he was with, with women and stuff like that and you know, his his fondness for women, I think he would have made a film like this and it would have been just as silly and daft and have sort of strange sort of like nods again like to the kind of the background of movies that the problem is kind of showing this movie, but I'd, I'd really like it. And it's one of these films that that would 
you know, I would go back to and I've, you know, watched it two or three times now and watched it, as say, watched it for the first time for this movie and I've watched this book, I should say. And I really, really enjoyed it. I, I, I think it's definitely one of, just a, just a fun, fun movie. You can watch it and it's like got, it's just entertaining, it's paced quite well and um, it's just a, as say, just a really fun movie, I think. Um, I, I totally agree with you. So, we're just going to now come to your third and final film of the night. This is obviously one of my personal favourites of the ones you've picked. And so, can you tell me what you've picked and again why you've picked it? So, I've picked the 1993 uh, re team up with Al Pacino, which for my money is the better of the two Brian De Palma Al Pacino collaborations. And it is the crime drama Carlito's Way, which uh, for a film that runs at two hours and 24 minutes is such a breeze. Now devolve upon me the painful duty of unleashing upon society a reputed assassin. The prisoner's discharge, call the next case. You Carlito Brigante, man. You a legend. He's one of us. Puts money in everybody's pocket big time. He was big. Just a tough guy. He just got out of Lewisburg, man. Charlie. Now I am sitting in jail, wondering where you are, what you're doing, who you're with. What was it like inside, Charlie? I get you. Carlito, these new kids nowadays, they shotgun you just to see you fly up in the air, man. Who are you working with? Retired. 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 <laughs> I got a good feeling about this club. I think we're going to make some real money. But as soon as I make my 75, I'm split. Maybe you don't remember me. My name is... Maybe I don't remember the last time I blew my nose. If I ever see you here again, you die. Did you ever kill anybody, Charlie? Guys went down. Yeah, you just do what you gotta do to survive. But I give you a million bucks to make a simple payoff, and nothing happens. The contract's already down in your palm. You're gonna end up in that river out there. I'm asking for your help. Yeah, well, I ain't dealing. I ain't going back to prison, no matter what. You said you would break my heart, Charlie. I gotta do this, just this one thing, and then I'm out. Every instinct you got won't do anything but get you killed. He saved my life, Gail. Whatever you want you to do, don't do it. That's what I am, right or wrong. I can't change that. Never give up your friends, Dave. And there's only one rule. You save your own ass. Didn't you ever have a dream? Yeah, I had a dream, Charlie. But now I'm awake. has so much connective tissue to something like uh blowout in the uh, kind of and kind of does like we were talking with that film 
you will it to go differently, but goes a step further by kind of showing us the ending of that film right at the beginning. And then it's almost like uh, the ultimate, like, oh, let me show you how I got to this situation movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it tells the story of um, Carlito Briganti, who's just come out of prison. Uh, used to be like a kind of big time drug kingpin in new york and uh he's ready to be uh uh rehabilitated and soon to be relocated uh and kind of wants to get on the straight and narrow he's got these <laughs> dreams to kind of uh get out of the game like similar to nancy allen's character in uh in blowout and he kind of wants to just make enough money to to get out of uh, what he's doing, but very much like his uh, the character of Michael Corleone in The Godfather Part Three. Just when he thought he was out, they pull him back in. So uh, it's 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 a fantastic, and I, I very much think of it as like a I don't know a crime epic in mm. in a way. And it's the the first of uh, I think three um, team ups between Brian De Palma and David Kep. Um, the writer who, yeah, I think went on to write Mission Impossible mm. and Snake Eyes. So, uh, and obviously wrote Jurassic Park. I think literally the year before mm. <laughs> he wrote this film. Uh, yeah, based on these Edwin Tor uh, Edwin Torres novel, which is called After Hours, but they couldn't use that title mm. for obvious Martin Scorsese reasons. But it's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a fantastic. It's just such a great film. It's definitely one, as you said yourself a moment ago, it's, it's the kind of ultimate, I wonder, you wonder how I got here? Well, that's me. Yeah, Let me tell yeah. you about how I got here at this point. It's our record scratch moment at the beginning. Uh -huh. um, it's, just, it's just a stunning movie. I think that I would probably go on record to say it's probably one of my favourite, if not the favourite, but you know, performance. Watching it again last night, mm -hmm. I, just, I, just, I just think it's phenomenal. I think it's just, it's got so much kind of heart to it, and it's, it's from from the moment he has, you know that that the kind of he goes to the kind of meet of his kind of cousin or his kind of nephew, I think it is, mm -hmm. and he goes to kind of and his nephew gets killed. You can realize the pool hall, yeah, the pool hall, the pool hall obviously gets kind of it just it just it goes almost goes from kind of sort of. You know, at that point, oh, that's some fuck now. That's there's no, he's, he's now going to be pulled into this thing, and it sort of snowballs from there. Um, I, I just think he's just, uh, I just think it, I just think I just think that you know, he's wonderful in this movie. I think they just, he just plays this really again, like playing again another um, Latino character for De Palma. Obviously, we've obviously Scarface before. Um, is this? Would you say it's one of your favorite Pacino performances? Yeah, I'd say it's up there. I think I think the kind of the free ponged attack of his mm. Michael Corleone is like one of the, I think one of the greatest like that kind of that depths into evil like. Do you know what I mean? But it's, mm. I think it's quite hard to like Michael Corleone because he mm. just does so much vile shit. Yes, do you yeah, know yeah, what yeah, like, yes, yes, yes. There's a there's a moment in part two where it's like, oh no, how could you do that? Um, but I think in this, there's something just 
instantly likable about mm. Carlito. And it's that mm. thing, even though like we know about his past and that, he's like and it is that thing, like you said, with the Nancy Allen character in Blowout, like the moment he says like he wants to get out. And like it's already been shown to us that mm, like mm-hmm, he, he's not getting out, but you just you just you just rooting for him the whole yeah. time, and it's like it's like everyone around him is just dragging him back into this thing, and he's trying to play it like diplomatically. He's trying to escape this world, but it's mm. just yeah, constantly like there's people tugging at him. It's like I don't know. It's like each more and more person, whether it's Benny Blanco, or if it's Kleinfeld, Blanco the they're just—they're they're like they're like they're like toddlers holding yeah. onto his legs. Do you know mm, what I mean? And he's mm, trying—he's mm. like, he's slowing him down as he's trying to trying to step out of this world. And oh, you like just his performance? Yeah, his performance. Like, I love some of the lines he says in mm. uh, is it um, when he's in that pool hall scene. He's like showing them like he's like oh, they're like. He's like, let, 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 let me show you this shot. And they're like, oh, we're about to play. We're about to play. He's like, no, no, no. So we'll just interrupt your game. And like, his, his nephew. It's magic time. Played by, yeah, John Ortiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, he's like oh, you showed him a trick shot. He's like, this ain't no trick shot. This is magic time. Or like, uh, just the guy, I don't know, it's like yes. a relatability yeah. to him. He's a bit of a chancer as well mm. when he's in the toilet and he's run out of bullets. And he's like, yeah, I'm reloading. Okay. And like it's like <laughs> just that thing of like he's just trying to like I don't know trying to get out of it or like yeah, yeah. that bit I quoted when he's in the court and he's just like this braggadocio like mm. yeah like uh, you, you can instantly love him from the beginning of it. the minute you're sort of introduced to him to the a uh, sort of alive Carlito at this point um he's in the as in the court scene obviously he's got just has some some amazing lines in the whole the whole film the. One of my favorite lines he has is like, "A fever is gonna kill you quicker than a bullet." Which I think is like yeah. a, it's like an amazing sort of kind of quote. I think in terms of in terms of the, the the films in terms on the whole, um, he has an amazingly funny pun line later on when he's talking about Laline. Oh, is it Laline's upstairs? Like, what, oh, Laline? I thought he was doing in the joint. I thought he was doing Fergus in the joint. And he goes, he's like, oh, Aline, he was a stand-up guy. And he's like, in a fucking wheelchair. I thought, like, I was like, that is like, I've seen this, obviously, seen Philly was away for the first time. This is probably only the second time I've ever seen it, the whole way through. I remember seeing it, obviously, my granddad was a big Alpacino, as a big Alpacino fan, and watching it with him and, like, thinking, not completely missing that, that being young and just completely missing that line. But now, I just think it's like, it's a damn, just an amazingly funny on point line because mm-hmm. you can see obviously Viggo Mortensen as Laline is in his wheelchair. He can't, you know, he's I'm shooting in diapers. <laughs> like I can't fucking all that stuff. And he's obviously trying to frame him and stuff at that, at that point as well. I just think the whole way through the movie, it's it's just really endearing. You, as you say yourself, you you root for him the whole way through the movie when he makes mistakes. You you go get upset on him. You obviously when he's yeah. get, when he's on top of the world. And he's like the, the the club's doing really good, and he's you know eating his steak, and he's like telling Benny Blanco to fuck off and stuff like that. You're like, yeah, yeah you tell him, Carlito. But, but then, that, but like then... that, like there's that scene when he throws Benny Blanco down the stairs. Yeah, and obviously on rewatch, you're just like, you've sealed your fate. Mm. Like that mm. is the moment you've, se- and it's just so heartbreaking. And I think I don't know. 
I think what's so great about this is, and it does come down to De Palma, is like there are moments of like conversations and stuff like that, but they're just shot so well. Like there's a split diopter shot. Mm. I think there's a there's a guy who comes to see him in the club and you can see like the guy and Al Pacino, like you can see the guy's face, but then Al Pacino mm. in the mirror talking and he's, I can't remember who he's talking about, but they're kind of like really like, like, going at it and stuff like that and it's Sa- oh, sasso sasso yeah yeah he's like fucking saying like oh is it? he's like yeah he's got some like amazing lines so he's like fuck sasso and like i just <laughs> i just love him i just i like and then like sean penn as well who like, sean penn is amazing in this movie he's yeah bit of a prick in real absolutely. life oh but yeah, like, yeah yeah absolutely and yeah. plays yeah. An absolute prick in this, like uh, <laughs> Kleinfeld. And apparently, he came to set with that hair and had like shaved his hairline as mm. well to kind of get that like balding look and just looks looks just mental. horrible. He's like a horrible, like ratty looking guy. This sort of this lawyer that he, of, of Pacino is it? He sort of does he loves he loves Kleinfeld. He's like make sure obviously he gets the Louise Guzman. Pancho, Pancha, Pachanga, Pachanga, sorry, Pachanga. Um, Because I'll make sure he's he's looked after, but it's almost, he's almost sort of kind of fucks, he kind of fucks Kalito by by the end of all, he asks him to bring, you know, he's got problems with a client, kind of big Mm -hmm. big time mob boss. So he kind of brings him and brings Kalito on board to try and bring this guy to prison. Um, This amazing sort of scene. In the water with you know Adrian Pazda from Heroes. If anybody watches Heroes these days, um, and obviously Kleinfeld ends up killing the mob boss, a taglia yes. is a tag. Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taglia and, and the son, right? Is the, the son, son yeah, on the boat kills as well? Both, yeah, he kills them both. Yeah, because they're like bringing him along, and it just. But that scene, you know, that can obviously Adrian says like, "You fucked us, you fucked us, we're dead, yeah. we're dead." That's it. By that point, he's like, so just that. But that point is completely just, you know, it's going to go into a downward spiral. And again, it's like same as we talked about before. He's planned to go away with his his, his pregnant girlfriend at this point. Yeah. Um. Oh. She was convinced to kind of keep it and stuff. So it's kind of what one one of the things as well about this film is it's not just like this kind of great like I don't. Know, it's a really romantic film. Mm. Yeah, I'm not definitely. sure if you pick up like the kind of like. <laughs> Again, it, 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 it's a kind of running theme throughout De Palma's career, like this thing of voyeurism. Like you have that moment where, like, uh, Carlito's like staring at Penelope Ann Miller's character, like from mm. across the way, like on that roof. Like, for, mm. has he got like a bin lid over his? Yeah, head yeah, it's like stuff. trash can lid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching her through like the the dance studio and stuff mm. like that, and like, they're meeting, and there's that there's that scene that's just raw sexual energy when she's like in the apartment kind of saying like oh if you if you want it come and get it and he kind of breaks open the door and stuff like that and it's just like so like i don't know it's just it's just great like it's Mm. kind of operatic and yeah i i said this elsewhere about this film is that the fact that it fits it's like you don't really think of an epic to be like like a crime epic you think of like the godfather where it's like spanning a lot of time there's like a lot of characters and stuff like that but this feels very grandiose and it feels very epic in like this kind of quite small story that it's mm. telling like and 
it kind of De Palma uses like noirish imagery. Like there's a there's that moment like after the Benny Blanco thing when he's in the alleyway. There's like mm. lots of shadows and stuff like that, and it's it's it it, it looks beautiful. Like it's a beautifully looking like looking film, and there's like <laughs> like you mentioned kleinfeld and his client there's the moment where he goes to see him and when he's kind of coming i think he's either coming out of or going into the into yeah he's going into the prison mm. there's like this crane shot that kind of like is following mm. kleinfeld down and all of a sudden cranes out and you just see like the whole the whole prison and stuff like that and it's like that's such like a baller to palmer move yeah where yeah it's yeah like this could just be a like a tracking shot of someone. That he's like, no, fuck it, we're craning out. You're yeah. seeing the whole it's, prison, it's, and it could just be like a dolly shot, or just, or just even just a kind of sort of handheld shot, shot even at that point. But he's making it like, like just he's putting this kind of belt, belt, big balls on the table, and going, look, I'm gonna have a big massive crane shot. that's kind of wide span um, shot. I think, which I think is, which is gorgeous because you see him like he's got a long, long shot of like. Sean Penn walking down, you can realize it. Just kind of, if you think at the beginning, just walking down sort of like a street, then it becomes uh-huh. in the car, like it kind of slowly becomes more and more of a bigger thing. Then you see this big kind of prison, it's got a kind of prison boat almost. It's like, I'm not sure, I, I've, I've never seen something like that like in film before. I think it's Rikers like, Island. Rikers, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, like, um, I think it's. it's and, classic. And with, there's classic De Palma shots. Mm. There's that moment like near the end when all of the kind of mob guys come to see Carly at the mm. club and the camera again, it does that spin mm. around all of their faces yeah, like, as they're talking. And like, I said, like, yeah, that you can just see the suspicion mounting on their mm. faces mm. where like Carly is just like, he knows why they're there. Like, he wants to get out of this situation and then like i think from then on it's kind of like a free fall for like and it's mm. it's yes. it's still like you've got like what 45 minutes left of the film yes like it's is a long it time yet yeah, that at that point even though you're sort of racing to the sort of the end there's still a big uh-huh. chunk of big chunk of time before you know that it kind of all kind of comes to an end because you've got these amazing Scenes obviously with with you know him and Penelope Ann Miller, and I say obviously you know if you're talking about obviously his romantic sort of stage, obviously Pacino at this point is obviously coming off of Scent of a Woman, which is arguably his most romantic movie. Um, Frankie and Johnny as well with Michelle Pfeiffer, which is again uh-huh. Pacino sort of being any sort of love story, romantic stories. So I think it's just really at this point. Um, I think you know as I say, it just kind of spirals downward. He's obviously sent her to. Central Station, he's, like, he's got Pachanga to go make sure she gets to the, the kind of station. And then but he's kind of going back to the club to make sure he's got the money. And these guys who are who I think are just are just, just the 90s mob guys have actors have got in. <laughs> this guy with the moustache mm-hmm. and the guy who looks a bit like James Gandolfini. Yeah. And this big, you know, this big sort of bulbous man, like who's kind of getting out of breath because they're running through the streets and on the subways and they're trying to try and kind of have a big shootout in Grand, Grand Central Station, which is, which I thought was an amazing, amazing kind of oh, scene. He's like lying down and and this escalator and stuff like that. I thought that was an amazing, amazing, amazing that, scene. Well, that 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 escalator that there's a lot of like kind of 
like people who made the film joke about that because they were like that escalator seems to go on forever the way that that's edited kind of really like yeah yeah it doesn't take you out of it you don't you don't end up thinking oh yeah he's going down the escalator for a long time the suspense is just so like intense that you just like you forget about all of it and there's like all the stuff on the train carriages and they're trying to catch him and he's moving from one train to another and there's a shot i think it's shot from one train onto another and it's like pacino trying to move down and they had like they had had to reroute trains to be able to film some of this Mm. stuff like Mm -hmm. they still went to their stations but they like changed the timetables a bit Mm. just to accommodate this this shoot and so yeah it was like the height of summer so pacino's in that leather coat it's supposed to be like winter in the film uh De Palma like just kept going all day and apparently like at one point he was like where's Al gone like and he just (laughs) said oh Al's just like someone was like Al's just stayed on the train and he's he's gone home like he's fucking he's had (laughs) enough of your shit today (laughs) so (laughs) that's amazing I'm I'm going yeah i'm 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 out of here i'm out of here Hoo-ha, i'm out of here <laughs> yeah i love it that's i love amazing. i love that he'd kind of like driven him to but that 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 final kind of chase sequence mm. is just it's a master class in kind of suspense building by mm. somebody who has kind of made a career of showing us masterclass after yeah. masterclass of suspense building. It's kind of like going, oh, you like what I did in the Untouchables with the mm. like Odessa Steps reference and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ain't seen nothing yet. And it's, I think it's like a late, like kind of, yeah. I don't know. I I feel it's a film that obviously it came out, yeah, just after um, Scorsese did Goodfellas. Mm. I think it can kind of like, it can st- stand toe to toe with that as like kind of like a a, a a decent work do you know what i mean by like a director who's been kicking about since like the 60s 70s kind of like those two guys had it's kind of i don't know and it weirdly feels like a really underrated film mm. do you know what i mean like it, it kind of feels like like you were saying with scarface earlier like it's kind of been co-opted by rap culture and mm. obviously was heavily referenced in like grand Theft Auto vice city mm, yeah, even, yeah, though, yeah. He, even though there's a character of uh, rosenberg the the lawyer in that game that is kleinfeld just mm. like kind of wholesale so like there's there's elements of uh carlito's way but yeah it feels like this is the one that people don't talk about as much and it's mm-hmm. what it's half hour shorter than scarface as well yeah. so it's like the more digestible of the two but i think it's not as i don't know it doesn't speak maybe as much to the mainstream film crowd as mm. like a scarface would do you know what i mean like it's kind of like every 15 year old boy can buy into scarface whereas yeah. Like we said, this film is at times is quite romantic and it's much more know. of a. We talked obviously about of of the book something like you know my my granddad watching this movie and really enjoying it and there's there's sort of like it's a maybe more of a grown up film 
I think, mm-hmm. and obviously, not, it's not shitting on anybody that, that loves Scarface. I mm-hmm. like Scarface as much as the next person. I love playing Scarface the game as well, which I thought was an amazing game. Um, kind of very, very um, Grand Theft Auto in its, in its sort of way as well, and when it was what I had on the Xbox. But yeah, it just feels like more of a more of grown up, a bit more serious. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit less like violent. You know, it is violent. Obviously, there's, there's people you know get their throat slashed and shot all over the place, and obviously Carly himself gets shot you know multiple times. But um, not even just at the end, he gets shot in the pool hall scene. Um, but it's, it it just seems a, a bit more refined, a little bit more of a classy movie, I suppose. In a way, yeah. it's just when you watch it now, it's it's just the shots. It's a beautiful shots. The acting's amazing. You sort of, I see, as you said yourself, it's there's a kind of a love story in it, but obviously, in Scarface, you know, as much as at one point called- Scarface loved Michelle Pfeiffer's character, yeah. he kind of they end up really hating each other and like being and very spiteful that, like, to, towards each other. Carlito's Way's got that Patrick Doyle score, which is really mm. like kind of sweeping and grand, and like it's got this like like the moments of voiceover and stuff like yeah. that, and the character as well. The character is a lot more kind of likable. I don't know. He feels more grown up in the fact mm. that like he mm. wants to get out of this world, whereas like you can see that appeal to a fifteen-year-old boy of like a Scarface, where he's like, "Fuck this, fuck you, yeah. fuck everyone." Machine like, guns and cocaine and. Yeah, the world is so, yours. Like, this lad. is like somebody. <laughs> so yeah, somebody here, like Carlito. Somebody were like, oh, man, I just want to, I want to settle down. I want to. He wants to rent cars, right? In ba- in rent like, cars in the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> it's like as you get older, it's like oh, that, 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 that feels like yeah, that feels like more, wants, more my speed. Yeah, because he's he's had he's had his time and time doing like dealing smack. That's what that's what he's kind of known for in the movie. Yeah, obviously, you know, when the first comes out. Kind of just before the kind of pool house, and you kind of he gets meets up with a couple of kind of older guys you kind of maybe ran with in the younger days, and he's kind of running smack days, and they're like, "What do you mean you're getting out? Well, you don't get out." And he's like, "No, I'm that's I'm done. I honestly mm-hmm. want to rent cars." And like even Klein feels like who is lawyer and is, is supposed to be his sort of moral compass and person who wants to keep him out of, out of prison. He's like, nah, fucking run smack. Who are you gonna, who are you gonna link up with? And he's like, nah, I'm not lent. nobody. I just want to be like, oh, it ran cards. He's laughing and going, what are you talking about? It, it seems almost silly. They, uh, they almost look at him like, of course you're gonna be a criminal. Why would you not be a criminal? Like, yeah, you've done it for so long. It's it's all you're good for. But he's like, no, I'm, I I want to change my ways, and that's what makes it completely tragic at the end. You know, like he's got this woman. He's got this woman that. The he he left you he, he and that kind of coffee shop scene the he says some like look it's not on not on you it's on me I had I, it was for it was for me the reason why I wanted you to leave I couldn't I'm not gonna handle it. I don't want you to shag somebody else by my by my back while I'm away in prison like I don't want you you've got needs I I don't want you running off like mm-hmm. by my back it'll just kill me so he lets her go and after they get back together they have this kind of this kind of night of passion and. She, you know, becomes pregnant with his child, and it's like, it's like, it's, it makes it more and more tragic. The fact well, that you know he's running towards, running towards a future, but also running away from his past. And one, his, his past is past as a kind of yeah. what's the word I'm looking for? 
sort of a head start on trying to catch up with him, I think, and he'll never gonna get away with it. I think he even says yeah. at the end, like, I'm not made to make it kind of thing, and like it's that, it's, that, it's good. That, that closing monologue he has, mm. I, I absolutely love it. Like uh when he says, Yeah, sorry boys, all the stitches in the world can't sew me up together again. Lay down, lay down. Mm. Gonna stretch me out in Fernandez funeral home on Hun and Ninth Street. Always knew I'd stop there, but a lot later than the whole gang of people thought, last of the Mohicans. Ah, oh, the way the, it's the <laughs> delivery is always like, last of the Mohicans. <laughs> well, maybe not the last. Gail's going to be a good mum. New, improved Carlito Briganti. And the, it's that thing as well, like, it's, as he's being, like, kind of pushed down the thing on the gurney and we mm. see, like, the kind of um, the advert for yeah. like uh, the Bahamas and like it kind of comes to life and stuff yeah. like that and it's I just yeah I love I love that kind of I I love it and like, like it's that thing that, that that chase is so tense at the end mm. and then when it gets to the just that moment and it's like and I think that's what De Palma does really well it's like it's not so much the payoff of things is that that build up and i know that when it came to that paul hall scene loads of the executives like first saw it like oh it's too long you need to edit it Mm. what he did was (laughs) is he actually put more footage back into it (laughs) but put in more of the stuff that's building up to it Mm. and then when he showed them again because it is because he's obviously like He's established the room so well. He's like kind of set it up so well. They're just kind of swept away in it all that they're like, that's perfect. Yeah, they're they're the edits we wanted. It's like, Mm. no, I've actually added in more footage, (laughs) but I've just done it in a way that is is kind of, it's kind of won you over. Yeah. I suppose that's testament to how he is as a director and a filmmaker. You just you can add things in to make things seem as if oh, you've just completely changed this movie or you've add, added so much to this movie without and obviously convinced you that you've, you've, you've taken stuff away, but we've actually I've made the, just the film better because I'm just that fucking good. So I think mm. that's, that's, the, that's the kind of the overarching thing we can talk about. This, we've talked about this podcast. He's just, he just, he just a maestro when it comes to making movies. Yeah. And there's a scene in this, I guess we'd be remiss not to mention it, um, is the scene in the, the hospital, because I know that that was one that kind of caused them a lot of problems, mm. because I think Al Pacino and um, Sean Penn had a problem with that, because they're like, the character of uh, Carlito wouldn't have gone to see Kleinfeld in the hospital. He's mm. kind of, he's kind of, the bridges were burnt then, mm, mm. and it was like right up until the kind of, like the day of shooting, they kind of had to rewrite that scene over and over again to kind of like get it right mm. to like make sense because obviously yeah. yeah like it is that one scene where you're like oh if you hadn't have done that you could have you could have got away with it do you know what i mean like mm. but but it does make sense right because it's like yeah. Kleinfeld doesn't get his comeuppance if he didn't go in and take out all his bullets and that yeah exactly that re- yeah, yeah. That reveal as well, when he goes to pull the gun, it kind of cuts to Carlito putting the bullets in the, in the bin. bin. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's like, ah, oh, I fucking love it. <laughs> it's, so, it's so good. It's like, because at this point, you've, you've, 
as much as you and are enjoying Sean Penn's character, you you know he's fucked over Kalito. You know that he's he's put Kalito in the in the worst situation. So he kind of talks about I need to look into his eyes. Well, that's them. Yeah. You see, oh. and you can kind of see it in his eyes to make sure that he's like the you know what his intentions were, or hear it from kind of basically hear from the horse's mouth that like, why he did it, and you know that. It just and, and when you see that kind of slow motion shot, the the bullets going into the bin, and the kind of click of the click of the the chamber, it's just, I just I, yeah. I think that's, that's that's an amazing, just kind of like right, that's you fucked, you get yeah. you're getting what you're you're going to get what you deserve, and this guy's going to kill you, so it's fun, but yeah, that, that I mean that's that's Carlito's way, and I really, really enjoyed it. Again, I, I'm sure that you said it yourself that it's an amazing. Not just not just an amazing De Palma movie, an amazing Al Pacino movie in the whole. And it feels it feels distinctly different to the two films we've talked about as yeah. well. I think like, and it is one that you can look through it, and there's plenty of De Palma isms. There's plenty of like uh, steady cam shots, mm. like mm. long takes. There's yeah. plenty of split diopter and all the yeah the, the the spinning shots that he does and stuff like that. But I don't know. But then again, it, it kind of deals with a similar thing to. Mm. It deals with that thing of, like, yeah, somebody somebody just wanting to get out of like a situation they they didn't want to be in. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's almost like Carlito is like the Sally character from Blowout. Almost, yeah. Like, I would say so. I would say so. Yeah, you're just sort of struggling and to change your your life and start something afresh and. Yeah, do something completely different, and, and yeah, like she's made those mistakes of being like a kind of uh, girl for hire to mm. blackmail like important people and stuff like that. And it's like Carlito's dealt, yeah, smack mm. in the past, but he just wants to, he just wants to get out of this life, and then he just want to do hey. something normal. He just want yeah. to, do... and just as he's about to get on that train, it's hey, remember me, Benny Blanco from the Bronx. <laughs> Two shots, and then Pachanga gets it as well. It's like ah, oh. and that I think that the Pachanga kind of reveals he's he's and I know it with Benny Blanco. He's basically saying like I need to he protect myself. So it's like Pachanga, come on! I expect more from Louise Guzman, lovable yeah. Louise Guzman. Yeah, <laughs> but turns like, up turns up in the prequel to this. Uh, Okay. I realised, yes, yeah, I realised last night that there was, there's an actual sequel or another move to this, it's a, I think. It's a prequel because mm. it's the, yeah, it's called like The Rise of Carlito or something like that. And it's because this, yeah, this is based on the second of two books. So there is a book, the first book is called mm. Carlito's Way and mm. the second one is called After Hours okay, by okay. Edwin oh. Torres. So, um yeah, I, like I, I've been meaning to for a while to check out those books because this this story, this story mm. particularly, is is fucking great. Yeah, definitely. I would I would agree. I think I would I would definitely read those books. I think it'd be really interesting to hear more about Carlito and his life before this this film. So we're going to kind of wind down to the end of the podcast now. So what we're going to do is I'm now going to ask you for your Well, previously we asked you to to pick a song from a soundtrack that you like. So, yes. what what's your pick? 
my my pick is uh, to tie it into the films we've been talking about. My pick is "Relax" by Frankie Goes to Hollywood because yeah, Brian De Palma <laughs> directed a music video for that, wow, and that song <laughs> features heavily in uh, "Body Double," mm. and it just was like a a perfect way. And it's a, it's a yeah. nice little yeah. So we've been speaking for a long old while, and it's a it's a good good life lesson. Relax, yeah. go yeah. do it. Go do it, guys. You want to do a podcast? Go Go do it. Yeah. Yeah, You want to do anything? Go do it. (laughs) Okay, so where can people find you, Petros? Uh, You can find me on all the regular podcast platforms with uh, Caged In. Just type in Caged In (laughs) Coppola Connections. Or you can find me personally on all the social medias. And uh, it's the same handle for everything. So it's at Caged In Pod. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, and TikTok, which I rarely use because I'm 31. I'm not a 14 year old. But um, yeah, come on, come on over. It's it's fun times. There's lots of there's lots of there's lots of fun to be had. There's 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 plenty of stuff. There's always stuff ticking over, going, <laughs> and uh, there's, there's a, a yeah, close to 200 episodes in the back catalogue. Wow. So that is that is stunning. <laughs> Join the party. And you can find me at the podcast, which is Where Is Nowhere on Twitter. We're on all the podcast formats, Spotify primarily. You get us on Podbean, um, Spreaker. Um, you can find us on those. You can find myself, Larry Reed, at no, no, Larry, Larry, Nowhere Larry, sorry. Larry with a K, Nowhere. Um, and obviously you can find myself on Instagram at Total Deathmatch. So with that said, well, here's Relax by Frankie Coast Hollywood. And thank you, Pedro, for coming us on coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And we'll see you down the road. Bye. Right.